0: It was June 18th, 1865, when Union General Gordon Granger's troops reached Galveston, Texas. And it had been a long two and a half years since President Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation that officially ended slavery in the states that had seceded. Officially, of course, is one thing because the states that had seceded had their own ideas, their own governments, and their own armies. And so it had been a long and bloody two and a half years between 1863 and June of 1865. There's a lot of territory between freedom officially and freedom when it reaches you. So by the time freedom reached Galveston, Texas, Robert E. Lee's army had already surrendered more than two months earlier at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. President Lincoln himself was dead. And on June 19th, the morning after entering Galveston, 157 years ago today, General Granger issued a proclamation that all slaves in Texas were from then on to be free the first Juneteenth, a day celebrated since then, especially in Texas and then spreading around the country with picnics and parades, with dancing and sports. A day of liberation on paper, becoming liberation made real. Now today in our gospel, we heard about another day of liberation. This one is the day that freedom reached a man of the country of the Gerasenes. This person is freed from a different kind of slavery. A slavery to what scripture calls an unclean spirit. Something that leads him to behave unpredictably and self-destructively. His neighbors see him as dangerous. And they lock him up. They put chains on him. Perhaps they're doing it to protect him. Perhaps they're doing it to protect themselves. Perhaps they tell themselves that they're doing it to protect him. It can be hard to to know what to do with someone who's not like the rest of us. Still today, in many ways, we might lock people up when we see them as different or unpredictable or a potential threat. But Jesus arrives in the region, and what arrives with him is freedom. Freedom and healing. And of course, Jesus had been active already for some time. And wherever he went, people were being healed and set free, and liberation was coming. There was a sense in which salvation came into the world, the moment of the incarnation. The moment when God became one of us in our own world. But for this man freedom comes today, the day that he meets Jesus, the day Jesus comes to his region. Now it doesn't seem that it makes everything perfect for him. His neighbors, those very ones who have been chaining him up until now, come to see what has happened and they see him clothed and in his right mind and We might imagine that they would be delighted, thrilled, relieved for him, for themselves. But the reaction instead that's produced is fear. They're so afraid that they ask Jesus to leave the area. Better the devil, you know, the saying goes, literally in this case, we might have imagine that this man's liberation would be good news for his neighbors, too. But sometimes our neighbor's liberation doesn't feel like good news for us. It was something like that, too, after Juneteenth. The liberation was real, but so were the challenges. The slaves were freed But there was no 40 acres and a mule, no compensation. They were given the chance to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And some did. Seven years after liberation, four formerly enslaved black leaders in Houston, not far from Galveston, bought 10 acres of land to set aside so the black community of Houston could hold a celebration on the anniversary of June 19th, on the anniversary of freedom. They named it Emancipation Park, and today marks the 150th anniversary of Emancipation Park in Houston. But at the very same time as these black leaders and entrepreneurs were starting to create prospering communities, other things were happening. The Klan was re-emerging. Jim Crow laws were starting to be written. In 1892, the Houston City Council Decided to put a finger in the eye of the black community by renaming the street leading to Emancipation Park in honor of a Confederate commander. Just one of hundreds of renamings that were happening all over the South at that time. In 1902, a poll tax was put in place to help keep black people from voting in Texas. It wasn't until 1922 that the city of Houston's public parks were officially declared segregated. And so for about 20 years, Emancipation Park was the only park in Houston that was open to black citizens. So freedom doesn't always come at once. There are moments when it breaks out, and then moments where it's stifled again, at least partially. And yet those moments where it breaks out are real and they deserve to be named and celebrated. And so it is with Juneteenth, the day that this country and this church have begun to hold up as a feast day, a holiday. St. Paul wrote to the Galatians words that we heard today. This group of Gentiles And there was a time in St. Paul's life when he would never have believed in his wildest dreams that he would write these words to these people. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul met Jesus one day on a road to Damascus. He was headed there to persecute Christians, to put chains on them and throw them into jail. But he left Damascus transformed. And he would go out to share that transformed heart of his with people all over the Roman Empire. To share that freedom with them. He had been liberated by Jesus and what he discovered was that that liberating love of Jesus transforms the divisions among people that he had taken for granted that we take for granted. All the divisions among people that we thought could never be changed. Jesus overcomes them. And he does it in different ways. Paul writes that there's no longer Jew or Greek, which in one sense is absolutely true in Jesus, and yet in another sense, our religious identities and our racial identities stay with us. They are part of who we are. The Jewish people are and are forever the first original people of God, even as those of us who are Gentiles are grafted into God's people in a new way in Jesus. So sometimes the love of Jesus leaves our differences in place, even while it teaches us to be one across those differences. Paul also writes that there's no longer male and female. And that's also true in one sense. And here, as the liberating love of Jesus has taught us more and more about God's gift of gender over the centuries, we are discovering that maleness and femaleness haven't gone away, but they're much more complex than some of us might have imagined, that there are shades in between, and both and and neither nor, that sex and sexuality have a richness and a multifacetedness to them. So sometimes the love of Jesus does leave our differences in place and yet also questions our dichotomies and invites us into a place of greater richness. And then there is no longer slave and free, Paul writes. And here again, the Spirit has been working on God's people over many, many centuries. But the Spirit has taught us something that Paul himself never knew, which is that God's will is not just for slave and free to love one another across their differences, but that God's will is to abolish slavery once and for all. That this ancient dichotomy is just contrary to God's will. That there is no longer to be slave and free because there just simply are not to be slaves. Because God's purpose is freedom. Freedom for every human being. So sometimes God solves our divisions by wiping one side of them off the map, or calling us to do so, as long as it takes. God's spirit is unleashing freedom on the world. God's spirit has been unleashing that freedom since the beginning of creation. But God did it in a new way when Jesus came into the world as one of us. God did it in a new way for the man of Gerasa when Jesus showed up at his graveyard home and healed him and called him into discipleship. God did it in another new way once and for all when Jesus died an unjust death on the cross and overcame death by rising into new life to pave a way for each of us to follow. How has that freedom reached your life? How has freedom on the page, become freedom in the flesh for you. Sometimes there are turning points in our lives when God's love reaches us and sets us free. It might happen when we are baptized. It might happen at a spiritual turning point in our lives. It might happen several times as we receive that gift of healing and freedom even as the challenges remain and it's still partially blocked and we grow into it more and more deeply at different turning points throughout our lives. But those moments of new freedom are real and they deserve to be named. Freedom doesn't always come at once but it is also always bursting out when we have eyes to see it. Sometimes it happens in small drips, like the week-by-week act of coming to this table for transformation. So come today and receive a taste of God's freedom, a freedom that will never stop breaking out until freedom rings from every corner of creation.